0: Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Brinkinridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3,
1: 770 CHQR. Whatever your choice of terminology, be it irregular or illegal border crossing, or whatever your choice of responding to the situation is, there is no doubt that this entails a cost. Uh, For individuals who are coming across the border into Canada to make an asylum claim, there is going to be a cost in not just processing, dealing with that claim, uh, but the social supports that come along with having those individuals in this country for varying amounts of time. And and certainly the individual circumstances are are going to be different. Uh, Some claims are going to be dealt with more quickly than others. Some are going to be rejected more quickly than others. Uh, But there are still appeals, et cetera. So... There's a cost to all of this. So it's certainly a fair question to ask. What is the current situation costing us? Well, that's why we have a parliamentary budget office. And uh, MP, conservative MP Larry Maguire, had requested that the PBO look into all of this and provide an estimate of the total and projected cost to the federal government in managing this. Seems like a pretty reasonable question. And so the PBO has come back with its answers. The average cost for each irregular migrant who entered Canada in 2017-2018 is 14321 increasing to 16666 by 2019-20. This amounts to a total variable cost of $340 million in 2017-2018, rising to $396 million in 2019-2020. Uh, so that is a considerable cost. What do we do with that information? Well, obviously someone who's been uh, watching this following very closely is Michelle Rempel, Conservative MP for Calgary Nose Hill, uh, Shadow Minister for Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship. Michelle, thank you for your time. You're welcome to the program.
0: Thanks for having me, as always.
1: All right. Well, how important is the consideration of cost in all of this from your perspective?
0: It's of utmost importance. It allows us to evaluate whether or not it should be a priority of the government. And I think that The answer today on that is a resounding no. I mean, you and I have talked so many times about how what's happening at Rocks and Roads, this illegal border crossing stream of entry into the country, is, I think, an an extreme abuse of our asylum system. And today now, we're we're really starting to talk about the opportunity cost. So over three years, from 2017 through fiscal year 2019, we're looking at over a billion dollars just. In the federal cost alone so the PBO's report today did not look at like for example welfare payments or subsidized housing or long-term health care costs associated with people who will come into the country this way and to me I think it's just wrong that somebody who's entering Canada this way the the cost of the taxpayer should be you know on an annual basis about the same that a minimum wage worker would make on a full-time basis in Canada on an annual basis, with those costs increasing over time. I mean, in Calgary, a billion dollars would have funded the Green Line all the way north. Right. And it, or it would have funded people who are languishing in UNHCR camps, UN refugee camps around the world. This is just... That hashtag welcome to Canada tweet, Rob, was so expensive. And we, we really found out what the mechanism or how much that was today. And we also found out what the cost of not closing the loophole in the Safe Third
1: Country Agreement was to Canadians. Okay, so th- these numbers don't include provincial costs and, and municipal costs, right? Just the federal cost. And it's interesting because the PBO says the cost of the, f- you know, per migrant, the cost can range anywhere from uh, just under 10000 to over $33,000. Per well, year. Right, per year. Why is there such a, a variation?
0: So some of the costs uh, are related to the removal of somebody who doesn't have a valid asylum claim. So when you, if anyone looks through this report today, they'll see something, the most concerning statistic is that the wait time to have an asylum claim being heard. So what that means is somebody who's illegally entering the country and saying, I'm being persecuted, even though they're in upstate New York, has the right to a hearing in Canada. There's a cost associated with that. But because there's so many people who have come into Canada this way, The wait time that the PBO is projecting is greater than four years and in fact in many circumstances he's thinking it's going to be six years. So the reason why this is so important is that that cost over time increases, right? And the likelihood of somebody being removed becomes in doubt. So this is again where these numbers are very, they're sort of of hard to look at from the perspective of assumptions. I think it's, it's a little bit misleading because the provincial costs aren't in there. And I'm really proud of the fact that my colleague, Larry McGuire, as you mentioned, requested this, this review because we've had department officials in front of us so many times. We haven't been able to get this information. And now, because of this lack of information that you're asking you know, about for me today, we're actually going to request a full review by the Auditor General of this information, because I think Canadians have a right to know on how Justin Trudeau is spending their money in terms of immigration programming. And I don't think any Canadian would want it to be spent on
1: this. Well, in terms of of those claims that have been rejected, then obviously there's a lower cost if we're able to deal with this more quickly. Do we have any idea of how many of these claims or a percentage of these claims have been rejected and how much have resulted in removals?
0: This is such a great point. Uh, it is a very minuscule amount of the people who have crossed into Canada illegally have actually had their asylum claims reviewed. I think it's the last number I saw was about 2%. So when you think about that, we're close to 40,000 people who have entered Canada this way. since the hashtag Welcome to Canada tweet in January 2017. Um, the minister, The, the Prime Minister's own cabinet so for example mark carnot came out and he said he anticipated that up to 90 percent of the people who are entering canada this way would not have valid claims um but but like the reality is rob if we had the safe third country agreement applied to the entire border zero of those zero percent of those people would have valid claims they wouldn't even be allowed to enter the country in this way and that's really what we're talking about here is that the government had spent over a billion dollars, Justin Trudeau has spent is choosing to spend over a billion dollars on a question of whether or not the United States is a safe country. And I just, I cannot accept the fact, I don't think any Canadian can accept the fact, that somebody who is in upstate New York can claim that they are fleeing persecution. They have reached safety. So when I compare that to, you know, I was in Winnipeg last week on Friday meeting with People who have who have escaped sexual slavery from ISIS and can't have their families reunited with them—they're being told they can't be brought to Canada. I think it's a very clear demonstration that Justin Trudeau has his priorities backwards in terms of who we let into our country as a humanitarian immigrant and who we support. These numbers are shocking. They're scandalous, and the fact that that tweet cost. Over the three-year period, $1.1 billion. And I just, I can't accept that. This is why we're calling on the government once again for the millionth time to close the loophole in the safe third country. Agreement.
1: Well, look, I, I I'd certainly acknowledge how problematic that tweet was and contributing to the problem. I wouldn't suggest that it's responsible for 100% of the problem.
0: Sure. I mean, like, part of the problem that we're seeing here, I think that started the tide. I mean, that's been reported in the media. But now, as the PBO is reporting today, there's a whole ripple effect, right, in terms of pull factors. So we had hashtag welcome to Canada. Then that flood of people re- resulted in backlogs within the hearing process. And because somebody can stay in Canada for years at a time and then have endless appeals with no sort of concerted removal process on the back end, that's a pull factor. People come, know that they can come to Canada and have immediate entry into the country and immediate access to our social welfare program. The additional pull is anybody who is illegally entering the country today, their family, and that's broadly defined, aunts, cousins, caregivers, whatever, can enter the country legally from the United States the next day and have the same status. So it's kind of like the tweet that launched a thousand negative ripple effects. And I do think it was at the core of it because this is a matter of political will. The prime minister has not said, look, we want integrity of our borders. We want our asylum system to be focused on the world's most vulnerable. He's just basically said, look, come hither through rocks and road. And I think that that's wrong.
1: So if somebody is facing removal from the U.S. You mentioned somebody in New York State as an example. Uh, Anybody in New York State, we wouldn't view as as someone in need of asylum. But if that individual is facing removal from the U.S. uh, to a potentially dangerous situation, as Canada might see it, does that change the equation at all?
0: For me, it doesn't. Uh, The United States is one of the freest democracies in the world, regardless of who is in power in the administration. The asylum system or the process by which the United States is determining whether or not someone has a valid asylum claim is arm's length from the political process. And I just had our own departmental officials who operate under the auspices of Justin Trudeau in front of a parliamentary committee two days ago and they in fact stated, no, the United States is a safe third country based on some very quantitative metrics that they use to determine that. I mean, the United States has a free press, the United States has a free democracy on how they vote for people. There's, there's, they, have, they, they have agreements to uphold the Geneva Convention on Refugees. There are so many things that point to the fact that the United States has a congruent asylum hearing system with Canada that if there's somebody... In fact, many of the people who initially claimed asylum in Canada through rocks and roads were of Haitian origin. And it was Justin Trudeau that in 2016 revoked something called the temporary protected status from the Haitian community that were had pending asylum claims in Canada. Donald Trump followed with that six months later. So we have so many similarities that I think that it is very difficult for someone to argue that the United States is somewhere that like somebody can't get a fair hearing. And to me, if the United States is rejected an asylum claim, that's something that Canada should pay attention to. And I think it's very difficult for us to say that if they've had a claim rejected in the US Canada would be any different.
1: There's also the principle that exists in both the United States and in Canada that that anybody who's on American soil or on Canadian soil can make an asylum claim. Uh, So when you talk about closing the loophole, as it were, um, we're still left with that that basic principle, aren't we?
0: That's right. So somebody who is in the United States right now, under the auspices of the state third country agreement, they can't cross through an official point of entry and make an asylum claim in Canada that's in alignment with Section 19 of the Geneva Convention on Refugees, which prevents asylum claim shopping. The problem is that the people who wrote the Safe Third Country Agreement about 15 years ago didn't put any language in on what happens if somebody crossed at an unofficial point of entry or crossed in illegally. And that's what I mean when I'm talking about the loophole. And this is why for 18 months, like bashing my head against the brick wall, the leader of our party, Andrew Scheer, has done so many press conferences on this saying, look, we need to stop this. If we believe that the United States is a safe third country and we have an agreement with them at official points of entry, why are we setting up an entire bureaucracy to incent people to cross the border and abuse our asylum system? Uh, at this point in time, honestly, Rob, like I'll just be honest, like, I I don't see the government changing course on this. They're committed to this new stream of entry. Uh, like we put motions forward in the House to get them the reverse course. This is going to be an election issue. It's going to be a big election issue.
1: Well, I don't doubt that it will. Um, you know, the, the issue, though, it seems obviously in changing the safe third country agreement is convincing the Americans to do, do something, agree to something that is clearly to Canada's advantage. And, and I mean, but, you know, but the other point is that, that someone at, a, at an official border crossing is able to turn away an asylum seeker. We have people there. Uh, it, it seems like on paper you could change that. But if we don't have people manning the border in those remote areas, then it's all a moot point, isn't it?
0: Well, it's very interesting, though, because if you watch what's happening at the U.S.-Mexican border over the last couple of weeks, a very serious situation. There's a big migrant crisis uh, caravan uh, at the Tijuana bar- border. The Americans, and this was largely unreported in the Canadian media, they they issued a statement saying that they, they were suspending the right of anybody who had illegally crossed the border into Mexico from making an asylum claim in the United States. They had to do it from an official point of entry. And... Uh, they did this, I think it was for a 90, they announced a 90-day period until they had an agreement with Mexico. And what I don't understand, so essentially the the United States is doing to Mexico what Justin Trudeau needs to do to the Americans from our perspective, right? So we've just gone through a major trade agreement. We have the Americans sort of spouting rhetoric about the safety and security of the Canadian-U.S. border. We have Justin Trudeau dealing with Uh, questions about firearms being imported into Canada from the U.S. There's all of these questions that are converging on questions of security with our border. Why has Justin Trudeau not raised this issue with the Americans? Like, you and I are now in the territory of speculation. Like, he... The the fact that boggles my mind that he hasn't even raised this as a possibility, $1.1 billion later, we're sitting here going... I actually think it's in the Americans' best interest to have this agreement with us because it prevents the U.S. from becoming a way station for people who are buying or using visas to get on a bus to upstate New York. That doesn't you know, promote security. It doesn't promote integrity in our immigration system. And I'm not convinced that the Americans wouldn't want to do something with, this, with us on this, especially given what's happening in the U.S. border. I just think that Justin Trudeau is so committed to the photo law with people who are coming into this country as humanitarian immigrants, that he refuses to have this conversation. He's hoping it's just going to go away. But what the PBO report said today is this is only going to increase in cost. And I think a lot of Canadians, again, even if they voted for Justin Trudeau, are not going to accept this as something that is good and right and just.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, Michelle, we'll leave it there. Appreciate it as always. Thanks for making some time for us here today. Thanks for having me. Take care. Uh, That is Michelle Rempel, Conservative MP, Calgary News Hill. Uh, shadow minister, opposition critic, whichever term you prefer, on immigration, refugees, and citizenship. So we've got a better idea of the costs, and the costs are considerable. Is the prime minister acting as though this is a problem? Certainly not acting as though it's a crisis. I, I think there's something to what Michelle said right there in you know how this is being framed or how this is being politicized. Maybe you could argue both sides are, but certainly the the prime minister, the liberals want to portray themselves as, you know, we're, we're pro-refugee. We're welcoming, we're open arms, we're, we're caring. All the things that our political opponents aren't. But of course, one can still be welcoming and caring and say, well, wait a second, we've got a problem here. This is not how it's supposed to work. We have a safe third country agreement with the United States. Certainly what's happening is is very much violating the spirit of that. Uh, And Canada is and has been and can continue to be an open and welcoming country while still enforcing that agreement. And the point being that somebody who is in the United States makes a refugee claim there. Somebody who's in Canada makes a refugee claim here. But yes, look, it's a very favorable deal to Canada. Because if you're not going through the United States, it's a lot more difficult to get to Canada. Pretty much you need to get on a plane. Getting to the United States, obviously, is is different. So yeah, some people may be uh, coming across the United States to try to get to Canada, or they may be trying their luck first in the U.S. and then Canada as plan B. But either way, it's certainly to Canada's advantage if we leave that to the Americans. Let it be their problem. We think the Americans are going to go out of our way to do Canada a favor and say, okay, we'll deal with all of these people. Certainly, the U.S. do not mind in the least if someone who has made a claim, is considering making a claim of the U.S., does so in Canada instead. One less uh, issue for them to worry about.